Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Well, I'm excited to be with you this morning. Pastor Doug, I send greetings on behalf of Pastor Doug and Camden. Um, Pastor Doug is taking some much needed R&R. They've been gone for the last week, headed out to the beach. I got a chance to hang out with him yesterday. He's a little demented in that he decided to come back and run a Spartan race, which was crazy. I don't know how that's vacation, Um, but so did I, and that wasn't smart either. Anyway, uh, (laughs) he'll be heading to Southeastern. I I know it's tough because uh, in his humility, we see Pastor Doug on this stage and kind of within the scope of these walls. His influence nationally is just expanding. So please keep your pastor in prayer. He'll be t- jumping on a jet sometime today, heading to, to, I say jet and you think private jet. It's like a Delta. I don't know. He's heading down to, to Southeastern Well, He'll be teaching all week and um, the Lord just has a hand on him. Would you pray for his strength and for wisdom and that those students would be blessed by him the way that we've been blessed by him? Well, it is my turn to preach and I'm excited. Look at your neighbor and say he's excited. Um... But I'm going to excuse myself. I'm not going to move so much because uh, I ran that Spartan race yesterday. (laughs) My Lord, I love you, but why did you make water so cold? Um, If you turn with me to John chapter 19 and put your finger there, this has been uh, my word for 2018. As the Lord, um, through Pastor Doug's direction, had, had asked us all, to find a word of occupy. Does everybody have your occupy word? Yeah. For Jess and I, the word was expand the family. And it's a really personal and, and just kind of um, has some very intimate implications for us and just how we navigate the next season of life. So I, I got the word, I wrote it down, I came to Jess, she was feeling the same thing. I did everything that every one of you did. And then Pastor Doug came to us in the staff chapel and said, okay, well, what's your ministry word for 2018? I'm like, oh, let me go back to the Lord. And if you ever ask the question of the Lord and he comes up with an answer that you're like, well, that's for another question. So I came to the Lord, I'm like, all right, what's my ministry word for 2018? And he's like, expand the family. I'm like, but that doesn't make sense. Uh, that was the one for me personally. Maybe I'm just praying wrong. He's like, he just keeps saying, expand the family, expand the family. I, I went to Pastor Doug's office. I'm like, I don't know what's even happening. I'm like, I'm not getting a word here. And he's like, well, what's God saying? He's like, every time I close my eyes to pray, every time I'm in discussion with the Lord, his response to me is expand the family. And it's this reason and the, 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 the reason I believe is found in this passage, if, if you bear with me for a moment. First John, or John, sorry, not First John, but John chapter 19. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciples, Here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. What an incredible moment. John, who's the disciple he's talking about, and Mary literally at the feet of a crucified Jesus. Broken and beating face, disturbed, disfigured beyond recognition. Blood already flowed like like Jesus in his moment. With all the physical torment of the day and yet all the emotional anguish of carrying the weight 
of the world on his shoulders, he stops for a moment, looks down to where his feet were and sees his mother and John and he calls out and has a moment with his mom. I believe that what Jesus was doing was painting a picture not just for the people that were there, but for thousands of years separated, you and I sitting in this room about the importance of family. The idea of family. Because not only did he want to point people to this beauty of family, he wanted to redefine it for all humanity. Because if, if you allow me to in a couple moments, I pray that you will see that God is trying to point out not only the blessing of family, but how family can transform the world. For Jesus' family at this point wasn't necessarily ideal. Let me kind of give you some context. His father had died. According to Jewish tradition, what that meant is that his mom was now dependent on her older son in order to keep the, the affairs of the house afloat. A widow without an older son was in trouble. She couldn't buy land. She wouldn't be able to develop business. Her capacity for earning wouldn't be much. She would have to live off of the charity of the people in the church. In this moment, Jesus, understanding that, looks down and he places the responsibility of his home on his friend John. So if you kind of take a note, a note of the moment, just know Jesus was a single man living with his brothers and his mom. Wasn't necessarily the stereotypical, you know, nuclear family as, as you might imagine. And the reason I bring that up is to challenge maybe some of you in the room that don't have the traditional, stereotypical nuclear family, you know, a, a husband, a wife, 2.4 kids, and a dog named Fluffy. <laughs> that even in your season of life, there's an opportunity to fully live in the blessing of family. Whether it's that you're widowed and you're here or, or, or may, maybe you're divorced and, and, and this is your second marriage or, or maybe you're single and, and, and getting along in age and, and in the back of your mind considering, I don't know, maybe you'll even check out to a message like this thinking uh, uh, family for me is, is not an option. Can I just tell you that even when family is not ideal, there's some blessings that you can grab a hold of when it comes to family. It begins with this thought. If you're taking notes with us, fa family is where we find rest. Family is where we find rest. Verse 27, again, it says this, and he said to, his, uh, to his, this disciple, John, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple, John, he took her into his home. Home is not necessarily about a location Home is about a place where we're secure in being ourselves. Where we're secure of being ourselves. This being ourselves thing, I believe, is critical to developing, uh, to developing healthy family. I want to take you back to the first family. Adam and Eve, and I know we've read that story quite a bit, right? Like even as we're reading it to our kids, I bet you you have been tempted to skip over this passage Chapter 2, verse 25 says, Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This is the awkward passage. This is the passage that when it comes to talking to your kids, you're like waiting to find out if they're old. Because, I mean, like it's uncomfortable to think of someone in, in all their nakedness. But I would submit to you that maybe 
The reason for this passage is that God was trying to communicate the sense of comfort that both Adam and Eve shared. They were vulnerable. They were open. They weren't trying to hide nothing. And yet, thousands of years separated from this moment, we find humanity like, like, like rushing to put makeup on before anybody sees us. Or rushing to cover up mistakes at work because God forbid there's any flaws. Like kids driven to anxiety medication because they got bad grades. We've created these 4,000 square foot pristine homes that nobody feels comfortable in. And I blame these things. I hate these things. <laughs> Just for a moment because I got a little ribbon on this. Um, this is an actual ad for that couch. She was more concerned about her couches and the condition of her couches than her lungs, apparently. <laughs> I don't fully get a hold of that. Do you remember those things? Some of y'all still have them. <laughs> and probably because you used them, I, all the young kids are like, what are those? That is a plastic couch cover. Being a pastor's son, we uh, constantly... We're invited over people's house on Sunday after church where we were given the same meal. Coffee, Ritz crackers, cheese, and if they were really trying to impress my parents, guava paste. I don't know why, but that was, that was the traditional meal. And every time we walked into these houses, often we were escorted into the special entrance. Not even the entrance the family used, like a special entrance with these long carpeted hallways where you can see the stripes from the vacuum and a plastic runner that went on top. <laughs> Someone, I'm preaching now. Someone's like, hmm. Which I never understood because when you pulled those things up, it ruined your carpet because it left all those little dots from there. Someone's catching this. They remember those. And you would be led into these chambers of evil discomfort where these couches awaited you. And you would sit down and instantly, it didn't matter how cold it was. We lived in New England, like in the Massachusetts area. And I'm just telling you, even when you sat down, the sweat on the back of your legs just stuck to everything. You didn't want to sit all the way back because then your back would get sweaty. And every time you moved, it sounded like the coffee didn't agree with somebody. These things were horrible. And they had these huge like marble coffee tables with these like spikes coming up to decorate them. It was like a death chamber. <laughs> and being a kid, I couldn't wait to like get up and actually do something like play. And the kids from the home wouldn't be allowed in the room. They're like looking from the doorway like, what's going on in there? They couldn't believe that I was sitting on the couch and not getting spanked. Like they were amazed by that. I always got like the, the, the carpets, like why, what carpets made to be walked on and yet for some reason like no, like the line, like in my head this is such, you're covering up the one thing this couch was made to do. It's not home. Home is where we put our feet up. Home is where we have pillows that we ruin. Home is where kids are on the floor, so that means toys are on the floor. Home's where there's mess and then we clean it up. And then there's mess again. But I would submit, where else do we learn how to deal with our mess? Home is that place where despite our flaws, we always feel loved and welcomed and brought close. That's home. And ultimately, home is where we find 
rest. 1 John chapter 3, 18 through 19. It reads like this. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. That somehow the way you and I love each other, the way that you love your kids, the way that you love your spouse, the way that you love in family, the presence of God steps in and our heart finds rest. I remember as a kid, um, we didn't, we, we weren't poor. I, you know, I, I, I hate this, this conversation because I try to paint this picture, but we weren't rich. We were like middle class, but like lower middle class. And um, so my parents decided that they weren't going to buy me a bike until I really kind of learned how to use a bike. So technically, this was my first bike. Um, <laughs> this was a Schwinn. And sometimes we use pictures and they look nothing like, but it's just an image to give you a picture. This looked really like my sister's bike, except uh, the little streamers were all pink. And uh, the banana seat was a little bit more banana-y. And I remember learning, now there's not a lot of things that I just kind of caught on to naturally, but bike riding was definitely one of them. By the end of the day, the training wheels were off, um, literally. We were jumping ramps by the end of the day. And all my friends in their brand new Diamondbacks and Dukes of Hazard branded Huffy and me with my streamers. But I didn't even care because I was blowing them out the water. I mean, I was flying. I was evil Knievel on that thing. We had set these cones out in front of our house and decided the race would be weaving in and out of these cones, making a U-turn and weaving back. And all my friends in their dirt bikes were able to just to kind of lean on it. But here I am on this banana seat thing with these chopper handers, I, you know, I, I, the handlebars were so high and I was two foot tall. So I'm like here with them, like here, like here. And the turn radius wasn't as good as the BMX bikes. So I turned and that wheel just couldn't take it. It bent like four ways. The back of the bike came up. My legs are entangled in. I'm still holding onto the handlebars. I scraped up my knuckles and my face went just head, I went head first into the concrete. So I tell people that the first kiss I had was with pavement. And uh, <laughs> this tooth went this way. Half of this tooth decided it was done. I got cut in the gum line. If you ever got cut in the gum line, you know, it was nasty. I'm, this is gruesome, I'm sorry. All that to say it was tough to even make out words. I'm like spitting chunks of my gum out and like bleeding everywhere. And the first thing, sorry babe. Uh, the first thing out of my mouth that I was trying to say was take me home. Because even at a young age I learned home is where they stitch you back together. Home is where they stitch you back together. Home is the place that no matter what the difficulties no matter what the disappointments, no matter what the failures, home is where you feel safe enough to be stitched back together. Some of you are catching this because even in your home right now, there's some stuff you're walking through, but it's okay because that's what family does. In the story of Jesus and the life of his family, one of the most gruesome customs was found after the death of a person. Culturally, what would happen is that as that dead 
body was brought into the tomb, it was the family's responsibility to prepare that body for burial. I can only imagine Mary preparing in her head what she would encounter when she stepped into that tomb. Matter of fact, you get a little insight of this. In Mark chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, went out to purchase burial spices so that they can anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. Now I know that you want to jump to the part like I do, where he was not there. But here, I, I want you to sit on this journey for a little while. Moms in the room, could you imagine the anguish? Seeing the disfigurement of your son, knowing what you would have to walk into, prepared with spices, removing the levels of blood. There's something about family that we're willing to step into the death of those who we love. We're willing to, to deal with some pretty gnarly things, some things we never imagined that we would deal with because it's family. I mean, think about parenting. The first time you changed the diaper, slipped and stuck your finger in your kid's poop, right? That whole, uh, uh, you did that for about five minutes, but by your fifth kid, it's like, whatever. You got the hand sanitizer close, you know what I'm saying? Like you got it down. To think of some of the things that happened Tragedies in families, kids born uh, uh, with, 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 with some challenges. As we progress, we see uh, some things that start happening to our bodies as they, as they kind of break down a little bit and how family has to step in in moments of darkness. I, I think about the families who struggle with people in your homes that struggle through addiction. And struggle through alcoholism or uh, a violent homes, the dark things that you have to do. But ultimately, that's family, a place where people are stitched back together. And so as I was preparing this message, Pastor Brandy, who uh, uh, does our VIP and, and does our sign language first service, she, uh, she was kind of my, my, my sermon writing buddy. She uh, brought this passage to my attention a couple weeks ago. and We've been just kind of talking back and forth about it. She said, Pastor John, one of the issues I have at this point is that there's so many people in the room that have never found home to be this. They don't have a place of rest. Even as kids, the turmoil in their home doesn't allow for mistakes. Even, even as, a, as teenagers, when they made mistakes, there wasn't a place that they could be stitched back together. And all week long, my heart has been hurting for you. But yet... If you bear with me a moment, I believe that this passage even provides hope for people who have never experienced the blessing of this type of family. Put it back. I want to push back to John chapter 19. Jesus again at the cross, he says this, when Jesus saw his woman standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, John, here is your mother. Ultimately, family is defined by blood. You're like, John, that's kind of a, 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 you know, a no-brainer. No, no, I'm not talking about DNA. Jesus in this moment is literally defining family by his blood. Matter of fact, if you jump ahead with me to Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. 
So literally at the cross, as the blood of Jesus Christ is dripping down to the foot of the cross, Jesus is painting this picture of redemption. He's saying to John, who is not his biological brother, this is my mother and she is now yours. He is inviting John into his family. And this isn't actually the first time Jesus tries to redefine family. If you, you scroll back to me in Matthew chapter 12, they'll pop it up on the screen here. Here's a story that a lot of people actually have read wrong. Verse 46 is this. Jesus was speaking to the crowd and his mother and brother were standing outside and asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brother are standing outside. They want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who is my brother? And then he pointed to the disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of the father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, when we read that, some people have a tendency of thinking, oh, Jesus is dismissing his mom and his brother. But that's not the case at all. Matter of fact, I believe that Jesus in this moment, reminded of the beauty of family, turns and invites anybody into his family. Listen, he's not trying to dismiss his mom. He's saying there's some people in this room that really want to, you need to live in the blessing of what it means to be in my family. Step in. So what he's saying in this passage isn't, I don't need a brother and sister. He's like, no, no, you're my brother. You're my sister. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my brother. You're my sister. But they don't know him. Wait, they don't, they're stepping in raw. Like he doesn't know these people. He's like, no, look, it's, it's just all about this. Do you do the will of the Father? If you do, then at that moment, we step into right relationship with the mighty God and there's a place where we can find rest, a place where we can be stitched back together. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, Simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.